0: first
1: we've seen a superstar welcome in to another episode of first of the floor Ben ballas here thank you for joining us hope you're doing well alongside me Derek white enthusiast it's Jake Eisenberg Jake how's it going man Good times. Uh, let them roll. They keep rolling. Uh, yeah, the
0: sun is shining. The waves are pumping. The nice. Celtics are undefeated. Best record
1: in the NBA. Feels How good? are you, my friend? Amazing. Amazing. I mean, it, you said it all. <laughs> you said it all. Derek White is great. I uh, can't speak for the waves having just had ACL surgery and not out there <laughs> on, on my surfboard for the, I'm last, for the last 20 years, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, but yeah, life is good uh, when it comes to the Celtics, which is great. So on this pod... Whatever new takes have emerged after three games, we're going to get to those. Uh, Jake and I are going to go take for take, a new format back and forth with all the takes that have emerged after three games now for the Celtics season. We're going to get to the James Harden trade and how that's probably a good thing for the Sixers and thus a bad thing for us and the Celtics, plus the Pacers game and a whole lot more. But first, a quick recap of the Wizards game. So, stats-wise, Celtics, they win, obviously, 127 to 107. Did win. A little dicey there, the last couple of minutes. I think we're going to get uh. to the bench in a sec. Jalen Brown, 36 points, six boards, three steals, and eight of 13 from three. Was definitely on track for a little while there to break Marcus Smart's record of, of three points, uh, three pointers made in a game, okay. which is 11, I think. Uh, yes. Tatum- 33 points on 67% shooting, Porzingis 7 of mm. 9 shooting, 15 points, 31 team mm. assists. Jake, before we get more granular, any macro takeaways from this domination of the Wizards? <laughs> I enjoyed
0: myself. It was nice, <laughs> I think, after the first two games that took- I think we're pretty seasoned at this point after going through the last two playoff runs of our uh, seven-game series back against the wall- um, we can handle a couple of close games to start the season. That being said, it was very enjoyable for the game to be pretty much over after the first quarter, maybe <laughs> yeah. even earlier than that, to be honest. Uh, the the Jordan Poole experience was really fun. I, I thought, you know, like you talk yourself into because we're, we're kind of used to it. Maybe there's a Jordan Poole or a Corey Kispert that goes eight for nine for three or something, but um, – Jordan Poole did not seem to be taking anything seriously, <laughs> which is very stupid, very bad idea. The the Celtics just absolutely buzzsawed them, and I had the first half. That's
1: just it's all that really matters. Should we run the clip? Speaking of Jordan Poole, let's run this very quickly. Oh,
0: Yes, please. I wonder what Holiday thinks of this matchup, Jordan Poole. Like how, I wonder how he goes into it. Like, he's all about it. Look at this.
1: Holiday wanted to travel. There is pulling it up on the deck. Kuzma, thank you for the aerial display. Oh. Macro takeaway. You can't post up Drew Holiday. It cannot be done.
0: You said you said the the Jordan Poole clip, and I was like thinking of several Jordan Poole clips that it could be. And I was like, oh, great choice. Because it could have, because there was my other the other favorite was like he did this like half-spin, pretend like he cared but didn't really care thing when Pozingus was guarding him in isolation and Pozingas just blocked it. Which led to a transition to the other way. Layup It was like, I understand that no one cares about the Wizards, Jordan, but like, you should te- you should care. Where well, people are watching this game.
1: Yeah, you're a professional <laughs> NBA player, getting paid a shitload yeah. of money, and you've won Come a on. championship for like a, a notably you know, a franchise of substance historically and in the league currently. So to, to carry yourself like that, I don't know. I realize I'm becoming uh, a little bit old man yells like clouds, but you're a professional, come Jordan. On, Jordan. I know. Come on, Jordan. All right. Let's get a little bit more granular here. Let's go take for take with Hot tank Take Jake tank. on all of our tank. thoughts and feelings after three games of the regular season. And We're riding the wave, people. We did this after two games. We're doing it again after three games because that's what we do. Jake, <laughs> what's, the, what's the first thing? What's the first take that comes to mind after three games up here?
0: Well, look if you if you catch a wave and it just keeps standing up and giving you the the room to work with, I mean, there's no reason to hop off yet, Ben. <laughs> um, I'll I'll go I'll go first. Um, coming into the game, I think we're all like, are we, are the Celtics going to be a team that plays down to competition again? And it's hard to say. <laughs> Obviously, considering it's been one game, but the, obviously the last time we played the Wizards, the one seat was on the line. Polzingis lit us up for 40 points or whatever it was, and we looked like we didn't care at all. Um, they definitely cared. It was like both ends of the court, they were locked in. And I have this, it's not quite a lizard brain tech hack thing. I might actually believe it. So Jalen and Jason don't want to embarrass themselves in front of their new teammates drew and Porzingis, so we've kind of talked about how like we needed to sh- we may have needed to send marcus smart out in order to create the leadership you know step from Jalen and jason like part of that is you know marcus and Jalen and jason were like brothers or housemates that had been living together for so long and like they just kind of like let each other get away with whatever and so now you've got these two new housemates that come in and like you, got, you just can't get away with the same like you have to kind of Impress them. You don't want to like get up on the wrong foot. You can't just leave the dirt, like the dirty dishes, in the sink. You know, giving off the appearance that you've actually done some housework. You actually need to keep a high. Maybe it's more like you're you've moved in with your your future wife more so than uh-huh. a girlfriend, someone that you hire holding. In uh, in high regard, that <laughs> is potentially something that we're that I'm looking in looking at right now.
1: I think that's a great analogy. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't call that Elizabeth <laughs> a lizard brain take. I, I'd call that a great analogy and helpful in understanding this this new approach uh, from the Jays here. Uh, it reminds me of the last share house I lived in before I got engaged <laughs> to my wife, where uh, one of my former roommates. Cooked up some, I guess, mac and cheese in a fry pan, and just put, yeah. when they were done, put the leftovers still in the fry pan in the fridge, no covering, fry pan in the fridge, just full mac and cheese right there, uh, ready to, to, I guess, to hoe back into into the next day. So the Jays, they're not putting any fry I've pans of mac that. and cheese in the fridge. Yeah, I've done that. So <laughs> respect to your uh, to your housemates. Are still guess. friends. <laughs> Uh, yeah, 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 and and Tatum said he said in his post game presser after the game yesterday, "quote You could say we learned from our mistakes last year uh, in terms of not playing down to the competition." So I think that sort of aligns with what you're saying here, Jake. Like they're they're <laughs> trying to show that they've turned a corner. <laughs> Can't fight in front of the misses, says Ozzy Phil in the chat. Absolutely, another great analogy. Yeah, so they're they're trying to show the new guys that they don't play down to any competition. They take every game seriously. You might add to that to play devil's advocate that it's it's very early in the season and yes. they're just riding that Correct. momentum. But we can only derive from what we've seen yeah. so far, and that's that they're playing the same way against all oppositions, um, which is great to see. So a different-looking Celtics, I guess, is maybe the takeaway.
0: Yeah, and the Wizards, they didn't look like a professional basketball team yesterday, but they, they've got a win on the board. They beat yeah. the Memphis Grizzlies, who are 0-4, but the Memphis Grizzlies took the Nuggets to a 108-104 uh, game, which is the closest pretty much that they've kind of had so far. Um, so, you know, you you got to beat these teams, especially early in the season. A lot of these teams actually think that they could make the play and make the playoffs uh, because if you look at the standings, everybody's separated by two or three games. So, um got to... You gotta turn up, you gotta get it done. I like I like to see it. And mm-hmm. like the just the commitment to the style that they've been playing so far, the uh the stock exchange, getting it done. Um we we'll, we'll, we'll maybe we'll trade takes. Like we'll go back to
1: you, I think, now, and then we can we can go from there. So my just Takeaway, I guess, walking out of the game, walking out of the game yesterday, walking away from my couch after I watched the game yesterday. Walking out of of the (laughs) Wizards Arena. Mentally, yes, that's what happened. Uh, I think the identity is beginning to take shape for these Celtics. And and that is that it's the Jays cooking, as we've always known and and loved about them. It's just the Jays taking turns cooking. They combined for 69 points last night. Nice. Nice. Porzingis. (laughs) Is actually the third guy. I think that's what what's falling into place is that initially there was a lot of conversation: is Paul Zingas going to be the number two and and potentially you know number one on certain nights? Uh, but it's it's the Jays cooking as the one and two. They had they both had a twenty nine percent usage rate against the Wizards last night. Mm. Porzingis had a fifteen percent usage rate despite being the only center on the court, just uh, pre- uh, besides Al Horford, and getting yeah. all of those early looks dumping the ball down into the post and him getting crazy easy looks over whoever dared to challenge him down there um, (laughs) still only maintained a 15% usage rate while the Jays cooked around him. So that part of the identity, I believe, is falling into place. The other sort of offshoot of the identity, Richard White gave us this glorious nickname yesterday on Twitter, the stock exchange. What do you get when you combine steals and blocks? You get stocks. And with the combination of Drew Holiday and Derek White, you get the stock exchange. And that's this other sort of added part of the Voltron device here. Yes. Is that while the Jays and Porzingis are cooking on one end, Drew and Derek are absolutely formulating and creating chaos all over the court. And those two things fit together in unison perfectly. And that is sort of formulating the whole of the Celtics identity, it seems to me thus far. What do you think, Jake?
0: I love it. Derek White's father, Richard White, Guest of the first of the floor podcast, friend of the show, uh, friend of the show. Um, D- Richard, you're, you're welcome anytime, of course. Um, it is wild. Obviously, they, you know, Derek played 23 minutes, Drew Holiday played like almost 27. But these guys combined to take 10 shots yesterday, uh, six for 10 from the floor between the stock exchange, um, combining for six stocks so or good. six stonks, depending on, um. <laughs>
1: on your dialect you understand that reference exactly (laughs) depending
0: on the dialect uh it's beautiful it doesn't matter it's blue chip penny stocks or i'm sure ben's gonna be whipping up some wolf of wall street the memes
1: are cooking yeah that's all i'll say the memes (laughs) are cooking
0: (laughs) it's beautiful like i mean they almost had more oh wow they had literally the same amount of stocks as they did field goal makes and that is not to say they didn't shoot really well from the field because they were 6 for 10 combined from the field. They also just love stocks. And so, yeah, get in now. Get in at the ground floor. Invest. If you want to be a seed investor, exactly. We're all venture capitalists and let's put our money, you know, where we know it's going to be successful. And that's the Derek and Drew Stock Exchange.
1: Yeah, hit us up. We'll broker your stock, if that's a thing that people <laughs> yeah. in finance say. Uh, Jake, what's your next take? <laughs> it's a good question.
0: Um, something that's, you know, not, not as... Um, not as huge, but uh, Al Horford currently averaging 22 minutes per game. Now, obviously, there was a blowout yesterday, so he didn't actually have to play that many minutes, but it does feel like in the first three games, not quite as aggressively conservative with the minutes as Spoonie would like. And I think you're pretty close to us how many minutes you'd like Al Horford. You basically wouldn't like Al Horford to play at all, really, until until the playoffs. Send him um, off on a gonna-
1: holiday. Give him a break.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wherever he went in the second half of the Oklahoma City season, he should yeah, be able to take a few a few trips there as well. Um, but yeah, 22 minutes per game. He would have played under 25 in the heat game if Pozingis didn't foul out. I like the plan for Al Horford, and he's been really good. He's come in with energy. Defensively, he's been good. He's been crashing the, the glass. He's been moving the ball. Um, and this, and I feel like he has like not made a single shot yet. Um, he's been struggling from the three-point line to start. Um, granted, he did go four for nine from the field, so he was um, knocking down the two-pointers yesterday. Uh, he They threw him a couple of lobs yesterday, which he can't quite throw down. They gotta just, he got they the gotta first just one. get a little Yeah, he, got, he, he finished the first one, but he's just not dunking them. Um and I actually think he can dunk them. I think he did this last year as well, where he just kinda he remains groundbound for the regular season, which I I could not endorse more strongly. There is absolutely no reason to invite any any space between the ground and Al Horford's sneakers at any point between now and April. The ground is all all our Horford needs to
1: be connected to at this point. So, I, I've loved that. And then you get to the playoffs and he soars through the sky like a yeah. beautiful, majestic bird. <laughs> <laughs> we, we love to see it. Uh, yeah, that, that's a really important take, the, the limit on, on Horford's minutes. Uh, hopefully, that extends through all of the regular season and hopefully, we can lend some of that to Porzingis uh, as well. And you know, a huge part of that is just like blowing teams out early and despite mm. the shortcomings of our bench, and we will get to it, uh, they can come in and finish the game out for us and uh we can rest all of our guys through for every fourth quarter. That'd be great. Um my follow-up take is Derek White. I think he this this is this is maybe Lizard Brain. This is maybe Lizard Brain. I think he's just a legit point guard. And I don't think that yeah, we dude. could always say that about him, even through the off season. I think some of the criticisms sort of post smart trade pre Drew Holiday acquisition was like playmaking, it's taking a big hit. You know, Derek White, he's not going to be able to to, to drive the tank, so to speak, to drive the, the beautiful Celtics vehicle, for lack of a much better analogy, which I really needed there. <laughs> <laughs> um, Derek White, last night, eight assists and three field goal attempts. This is coming yep. off the back of his- It's unbelievable. Yeah, his crazy game against the Heat, puts up three shots, two of three, efficient and just like picking his spots, like a, a beautiful uh, test cricket batsman, just picking the gaps in the field. Picking his spots nicely, a real captain's knock. I've got to say, which is a term.
0: Truly, dude, (laughs) this this is the Derek White season. Like we, you know, we talked so much about Derek. Well, we always talk so much about Derek White because we're humans, and I don't know what you're doing if you're not talking a lot about Derek White. But we talked a lot about him being given the car keys to the to the Celtics, more or less, obviously with the Marcus Smart trade. And we obviously make the Drew Holiday trade and we're like, well, oh, maybe we don't quite see um, the full um, Derek White empowerment experience. But, like, to me, he has been the point guard. And he even said in the post game here, I'm trying to upload it to the stream yard as quickly as possible and we're about to play it here. Um uh, no, does what you have no sound? No, I guess Can, you, can you speak over what, it for us? What he's saying is... Oh uh, yeah, I'm like I'm the point guard. Yeah. And, and he, he And he did it in his classic Derek White way. Um, I think it's just awesome for him to have I don't know if it's the humility or just the like understanding for what each game needs. Like in the Knicks game, it was the Pozingas game. In the Heat game, it was Derek White's time to to go off for 28. And for yesterday, he was like, it's time for me to feed the second team all NBA player in Jalen Brown and get that man going. And boy, did he get that man going. Eight assists. Um, you're right. There there has been some hand-wringing. Um, another friend of the program, Ben Gulliver, um, has been all over the Derek White's not good enough to be a lead point guard. But everything that I see is that he can very obviously be a lead ball handler on a championship contender, obviously when surrounded by talent like this. Um, yeah, man. He's... He's literally doing the perfect job every game so far.
1: Yeah. And so, I realized Derek White is a solid, legitimate point guard. Seems right now like an obvious take, but only weeks ago, it was not. So, uh, three games yeah. in, that, that's a, a clear takeaway, I think, which is great. Uh, what have you got next, Jake?
0: Um, so we're going we're gonna to stay away from the bench for now. We're going to stay positive. I don't think we can hold um, off
1: much longer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've got one more after this that we can hit, but flexibility malleability, um, curiousness. Mm. I think Joe was very rigid last season and understandably so, rookie head coach, uh, a lot going on, obviously, last year. But, you know, the Wizards have gaffered out. It's like obviously they're very small and he just did the obvious thing and kind of went away from the standard game plan. They literally just like threw it into the post for Porzingis over and over and over again against, they did it for Jalen. They did it for Jason. They did it for a bunch of guys. They're like, we're just going to go inside and bully these guys because they're tiny little boys. And, <laughs> and, it's, and then look, you know, as a tiny little boy, um, I I understand like, <laughs> it's got to be done sometimes.
1: You've seen both sides of it. <laughs>
0: I just like the fact that he was willing to just do the obvious thing and be a little bit flexible, go away from, like, the standard game plan, even if it is obvious. Um, And, you know, we saw it with Brissette against the Heat game. We are seeing him just try a few things here and there. Going to see how flexible he gets with the bench soon, I think. But, yeah, for Joe, I think game three, changing the game plan a little bit based on personnel, obvious. It's like a small play – like. Obviously, the Wizards aren't going to be in the playoffs, but you're going against a team. Night one, you think you have an advantage, go to it. And it just led to like a really easy way to start the game. Yeah.
1: Love it. Love the new approach from, from Joe Mazzulla. He uh, is showing us so many good things uh, to to start this season. And with all the doubts that were planted in our minds all throughout last season and through the offseason, uh, I said it. Early in the season, but uh, or early during the preseason, just the PR people that he has working around him. I don't know if that's the case <laughs> or not. Maybe it's a it's a self funded PR program. Uh, but they're doing they're doing God's work, like that the the, the good sides that they've brought to the forefront of Joe Musola, both in terms of his yeah. coaching, but of his personality as well. You know, as, as fans, as obsessive fans, we're just looking for anything and everything to 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 hook ourselves into, whether that be Walshy and someone mentioned in the chat before. He's just moved down to the G League or been assigned to the main Celtics, so we're going to get some more Walshy content soon. You know, whether yeah. it's uh, the Jays taking on this new leadership form, whether it's uh, Porzingis and how he's integrating all the stock exchange and even just Derek White's dad, yeah. we're just looking for things to to fawn over. And for Joe Mazzulla yeah. to be this version of Joe Mazzulla, it's just another thing for us to, to get all smitten over, I suppose. So it just adds another layer of fun to the scene. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think um, he he got Don Draper in on the the marketing campaign, and it's (laughs) it's working. It's working.
1: I want to get to the bench. So if you've got any non bench takes before we end on that, go for it.
0: This is this is uh, Drew Carter is good. Yes, legit broadcaster. I think he's awesome. Like I think that he just. You know, obviously has the incredible broadcast voice. That's just great. So, you get, you know, when you're rewatching those highlights and you have, obviously, it wasn't exactly an exciting uh, game for him to give us some, like, vintage voice moments. But um, he had some classic dad broadcast jokes, like saying that, you know, that the Wizards fans have dressed up as Celtics fans. Like, that's kind of the job of a, of a broadcaster, is to make dumb jokes like that. He doesn't talk too much. I thought he, he like... I, Look, man, Brad, I don't. I don't. I'm just going to assign the credit to Brad for this because Brad did it again.
1: El fuego, dude. Yeah? He's <laughs> giving us freaking el fuego and whatever the ice words in Spanish are. It's beautiful. Yeah, I'm got to be honest. I'm becoming a bit of a Drew Carter fanboy. I think he is. Dude, fantastic. he's cool. He's cool, and like it's a multi generational skip down from Gorman. It's like it's like three generations separated from from Mike Gorman. Um, yeah, and so it's a completely different perspective on the game. And it's it's difficult to even obviously Mike Gorman is better in all fronts because he's Mike Gorman. He's, and he's the been guy. Mike Gorman forever. He's in the freaking hall of fame. So we're not making <laughs> a comparison here at all. No. And and you can't because they're just so different from one another. But Drew Carter, being as young as he is, and I think definitely being way more entrenched in like NBA and Celtics pop culture, He's shouted out of he shouted at the No Dunks podcast during the preseason. He's clearly all over NBA Twitter. His embeddedness in in that part of the Celtics that we're all hooked into as well, I think might allow us to have a better connection with the team in a lot of ways through him because he's so much more involved in that sense. So, he's doing a great job. He uh, has got a really good chemistry and vibe with Scal so far. And I like yeah. that he doesn't hesitate to sort of give him a little bit of shit. And that kind of yeah, goes both who- ways too. Yeah, because like, I feel like Scal's like kind of like
0: tried to bully him and he's like ready to kind of like hit back and like give him these like really qu- like quick-witted jabs here and there. And Stel's like, all right. And I think Scal like respects that because like he, as like these NBA, they're jocks, right? You You got to... You got to be willing to to bully the bully just a little bit. And, I, yeah, it's, it's been some good banter so far. And I know he replied to your DM, so of course we him.
1: <laughs> Hopefully we'll get him on the podcast soon. But <laughs> yeah. he's a busy guy, so we'll see. Um, yeah, yeah. All right, let's get to the bench. Let me Let me put it to you this way. Scale of 1 to 10, how worried are you about the bench? I cannot believe that they found a way to ruin, not ruin the game, but like,
0: have me leave the game feeling bittersweet as opposed to just like this should have been, I, I was, I was quite annoyed and upset like during the fourth quarter um, of the aside from like them ruining the net rating and all of the advanced metrics that, you know, we, we use for our gender purposes on, on Twitter. Aside from that, it was just disgusting, embarrassing. The, like, I don't know how the it was. They even got eighteen points, thirty-two to eight. When I went and checked it today, I was like, "How did they even get to eighteen points?" Um, from that perspective, I was like, I, "I'm so, like, I'm, I'm wondering how Pritchard and Cornette are going on their walk back to Boston because, like, it's not. I can't <laughs> imagine they were allowed on the plane after that. Like, that was those two in particular to me uh, were a disaster." How's now, as far as like actually being worried, how's I'm not worried about it at all. Uh, the defense and rebounding has been solid and the shooting will come. I'm not like he literally has seven year sample size of shooting 40 plus percent every single year on the exact same shot type. He's been a catch and shoot guy for his whole life, basically. That's going to come. He went through a slump last year. This is a good time to get it out of the way. Pritchard, on the other hand, I have concerns about uh, the only the only season he's really had consistent success was his rookie year, where he was playing twenty minutes a night. Even on this team, he's going to be in like the fourteen to sixteen minute range, which like obviously sounds close, but it's like still a bit of a gap between how much how comfortable you can get on the court. I'm worried that he can't be successful in like this smaller microwave role. Um, He looks so uncomfortable to me, and like. Is lacking all of that PP confidence. Like, that's a limp PP out there. It at the is. Moment.
1: It's not his. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was going to make a urologist joke, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, let me ask you another question. How many games are you going to give the current Hauser PP sort of 7, 8 spot in the rotation? How many games are you giving them if you're Joe Mazzullo before you start to change that up and maybe introduce, I don't know, Lamar Stevens or Svi Mihailuk mm. into that 7, 8 spot? Hauser, I'm
0: I'm right I'm personally riding with. I'm I'm I think that him getting comfortable in this offense and on this team actually could have playoff value. Where uh as Pritchard, I don't really know if he can play in the playoffs past the first round. Like he's just gonna get gonna get hunted maybe against Milwaukee just because their like defense is so bad he can bum away from the outside. But um Hauser, I think, can actually provide real value in the playoffs. Pritchard has a week, like three, four more games before they at least try. To me, Speed right now is makes this team better. Like he's a much better playmaker than Pritchard already. Like, because just because of his size and athleticism, he's able to get like turn corners and bend the defense a little bit, coming off screens and stuff in a way that Pritchard, at least right now, hasn't been able to not like he was able to in the preseason. It just it just seems to be a little bit of the story with Pritchard at the moment. It's just like in these non-real NBA spots like he's able to be really successful, but when we get to it he's not able to crack defenses off the dribble yet. And so how is it safe to me for a while? Like unless it gets bad. Uh Pritchard is like the the rope is short and I'd rather I I'd, I'd go to Sfee probably first. Uh, but they they like Banton too. Like if they're going for ball handling, um, if it's going to be this bad from Pritchard, then like we don't have time to to deal with like young player confidence issues this year. Yeah, he's not getting paid enough. He's not important enough for us to like worry about
1: his feelings. Really, like that's the, the reality of it. Well, Joe had to pull Banton pretty early in the Wiz game because yeah. he was he had so much. Difficulty with the pressure they were applying to him in, like, full court. And he had to bring Pritchard back in, who wasn't much better, but he can at least bring the ball up the court. But, uh, yeah, 0 of 8 from Pritchard in this game. And you, 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 t- hit, you hit on all the points. Uh, turnovers for Pritchard. Four uh, turnovers, dude. Yeah. That's yeah. so
0: many turnovers. And some of them were so bad. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so unless he, like, has this sort of- confidence around him of like, I'm the guy, it's the preseason, I'm running the show. Like, you you hit on all these points already, Jake. Like, unless he sort of has that backing him, it's like he just can't perform to his potential, which is difficult. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how long he's given before maybe we see Svi or Delano Banton, you know, take some of those minutes from him. I'm fully with you on Hauser. Hauser had a block and three offensive rebounds in the game. Like, he's doing almost everything perfectly other than shooting. So just like yeah. ride it out, the shooting will come. And meanwhile, we're winning games. Uh, obviously, we'd love to see Lamar Stevens get a little bit more time. And I wonder if if this Hauser thing goes on long enough, is he first in line to replace those minutes?
0: Yeah, because look, there is a world where you just you just lean into size and defense with O'Shea and and Lamar Stevens instead of uh, Pritchard or or even or even Hauser. Um, Pritchard just needs to come in and gun, dude. Like. So they need to empower him to like come in and just shoot. Like, cause anytime you're not taking like clean looks, that he's getting a new like he's getting these these looks that I know he can knock down. Like I have been a pretty believer and that like he can be a successful NBA player because I believe it that like the shot making from from like real range is real. But you have to you have to take the shots. And he's not athletic enough and to, to like not take those first opportunities, like those catch and shoot opportunities that he's getting when someone else bends the defense. He has to take those. And once he once he makes one or two of those, that's when the other parts of his game can open up because defenses are like scared of him knocking down threes from from 28 feet. So he just needs to come in and gun. Like run run the Tatum and pick and pot with Pritchard. Like let's try and get him going. Like first play that Pritchard comes in, Tatum and pick and pot. With, with Pritchard, that was like really successful several times throughout the Pritchard's career. Go to that, see if we can get him going because I do think he could be helpful for this team in the regular season if he's confident.
1: Yeah, well, fortunately, the the starters are allowing our bench such a cushion and Joe well Mazzola mm-hmm. such a cushion that we can – use this trial and error approach for a little bit longer. You know, we can we can see how this plays out as far as the bench production before we make any significant changes. You know, on the starters, Greeny had a, a great insight on Twitter last night. Uh, Porzingis and Brown have been on the court together without Jason Tatum. And this was a huge issue last year. Anything mm. with Jason Tatum on the bench. They've been on the court without Jason Tatum for 14 minutes so far this season, small sample size. They have a 148 <laughs> offensive rating and a plus 16 net rating in those minutes. So. Again, early days, small sample size, but part of that cushion for the bench is that like the starters fucking have their shit together, man, and including Jason Tatum being on the bench, which is really good to see. So a couple of insights here from Cleaning the Glass before we move on to a message from our sponsor, and that is that the Celtics have the second best point differential in the league through three games, at 17.3, the second ranked offense. And I should say with Cleaning the Glass, they exclude garbage time and end of quarter heaves in their stats. Very important Looking at the last game. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yes. Um, Second ranked offense, offense rather, the seventh best defense, the third ranked in three point percentage, uh, frequency rather, and then ninth in three point accuracy, which is a pretty solid combination. So we're shooting really well. The lowest ranked category is non corner threes, which we're 14th at. So that's the, the poorest shooting metric that we're currently ranked 14th, and we're still doing completely fine there. Where we're doing poorly, Opponent three-point percentage, 26 or 41.3%. That ticked down a lot. Uh, I was going to
0: say, that's come down a lot yes. after the first two games. Thankfully,
1: I think if you'd agree, Jake, we're going to continue to see that trend downwards. Yep. And then yeah. turnover percentage is where we're doing quite poorly as well. We're ranked 25th, good for 13.2% and free throw rate where we're ranked 23rd. Despite that, you know, these are areas where we can clean up. Part of that is just the tone of a machine that was Peyton Pritchard last night. Um, these are areas that we can be coached out of. And meanwhile, we're getting wins. We're destroying the league in many, many metrics. Um, so <laughs> we're going to continue to keep an eye on the cleaning the glass metrics because um, they obviously provide a really healthy insight into the, the health uh, and the dominance so far of this team. Quick break now for a quick word from our sponsors. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. So
0: I usually... Like I honestly, if I bet on the Celtics, I'm usually betting on the other team to provide some emotional hedging. But I'm really mm-hmm. trying to avoid doing that this year. Um, what well, partly to do with the Celtics, I don't like think they're going to lose many games. But the problem with betting on the Celtics now at this point is the lines are getting so big. Like we're favored by eleven and a half against the Pacers yesterday, mm-hmm. which just like even if you know the, the Wizards game was like an outlier blowout, like rarely do you blow teams out where you're like doubling their score in the second quarter. But like even if the Celtics are beating their paces by 20 tomorrow, like there's going to be some garbage, like there's always garbage time where like they cut it to like the, the the 10 range with like a minute to go. And it's not actually in di- like in doubt, but it's like, they they ruined the cover. So I would stay away from that. I do wonder about the Raptors plus five against the Bucks tomorrow. Uh, it could be wish casting a little bit, but the, the Bucks off defense has been really bad um, to start the season and the Raptors offense has been really bad. So mm. I'm wondering if the Raptors offense can kind of like get on track against uh, a Bucks defense that's really struggled to start the season. So Bucks, I mean, uh, Raptors plus five um, tomorrow, I
1: don't hate. Hmm. Interesting. Well, just folks, keep in mind, if you are going to do it, if you are going to take, I'll take Jake's advice. Please, please gamble responsibly. Let's now move on to something that happened yesterday afternoon, our time, late at night, uh, I think 3 a.m. if you're in the U.S. East Boston area there, the Clippers, they get James Harden in a trade with the Sixers who get Marcus Morris, Nick Batum, Robert Covington, K.J. Martin a 2026 first via OKC, a 2027 pick swap and an unprotected 2028 first round pick plus two second round picks. A lot to unpack there, uh, Jake. And obviously, we want to sort of skew and focus on the impact to the Celtics. Yes, fuck the Sixers. Um, <laughs> thoughts Thoughts on the trade for both sides and then sort of getting to how this impacts us.
0: God dang it, Eme. You know, this. He his horniness has come back to bite us Again, um, I'm look. I'm not. Ex- I'm, I don't think the Sixers are now going to turn into like runaway title contenders or even contenders at all. But the fact that Houston pivoted away from signing James Harden in free agency to Fred Van VanVleet. Um, When Fred Van Leet has been like awful uh, for the Rockets as well, when James Harden was like borderline an all star last year. That being said, I wasn't like super in on the Rockets wanting to go after James Harden either, but Ime pulling ownership away from that path meant that the Sixers did not lose him for nothing, which this return is really good in my opinion, considering the circumstances of. Whoever trades for James Harden cannot extend him because he signed a one-year deal. So, he's a free agent at the end of the season, no matter what. And knowing James Harden, that could mean literally anything. He's 33 years old. We know all about all the flameouts in the playoffs. The fact that we're able to get like a Clippers 2028 first-round pick, that's like that's a tier one draft asset. Yeah. Like, right? Yep. And so, Fully. this return is really good. And now they've got a shitload of expiring contracts that they could potentially package for one of Zach Levine, Pascal Siakam, uh, Brandon Ingram. There's there's a bunch of guys you don't know who's going to become available. Larry Markkinen, depending on what Danny Ainge wants to do. Marcus Smart could be someone they go after, like with the Grizzlies sliding, which would be just so disastrous emotionally and the perfect kind of player to pair with maxi which then leads them to the offseason where they have max cap space the six the sixes kind of got away with it here we and everybody were burying them pouring dirt on them in the offseason because everything was going so badly and like they've salvaged this as well as they possibly could have which is Obviously, the opposite of what we would have liked to see. Uh, I don't see them becoming a contender, but like, there's a world where they they trade for Siakam, they re-sign him, and then they use like the thirty forty million dollars in cap space to like to just fill out the roster. Maxi looks like he's taken like a legitimate All Star leap, and Joel Embiid is still like a top seven to ten, ten, top ten player. Ben, um, it's like I mean, we can't exactly fire up the shard and report on this one.
1: I was gonna say, we do the Schadenfreuder report on this podcast, and this is not a day for, for that. Like th- this is very, very good for the Sixers based on the sort of floundering asset that they had in in James Harden. You said it all. It's very surprising and, and for us, unfortunate uh <laughs> the depth of assets that they were able to get back. And, you know, obviously they get to flip everything pick wise or do their best to flip everything and maybe some of that salary. Potentially Tobias Harris as well. Again, a great thing for the Sixers yeah. into uh, you know a, a very good contributor, all star level contributor or or two um, to to get back and, and make themselves as close to a contender as they as they can be. Um, Aussie Phil says uh, I wouldn't give half a bag of stale nacho cheese Doritos for James Harden and all the bullshit he brings. Yeah, but like we want the bullshit on the Sixers, right? Because yeah. we hate them. And now they've gotten rid of the bullshit and they brought in some usable, tangible, and in some cases, movable assets. So, there's a long list of, of players you, you touched on. I think most of them, Jake, as far as like who they might look to acquire. I think fortunately in the short term, it's too early in the season yes. where any potential trade suitor is in blow it up status or territory. Um Zach Levine seems to be the name that's coming up the most on on Twitter and everywhere you look as far as who they might acquire might acquire. And positionally, that makes a lot of sense for the Sixers. Marcus Smart, if that happens, oh. we might have to bring back the group therapy episodes that we had sure. back in 2019 during that season <laughs> when we needed them. Uh, because I I will not be able to reconcile with that at all. So let's just let's just leave that. Cause like we <laughs> can't live in a world where that's a possibility. Um where if you if you had to guess based on who might be willing mm. to make a trade with the Sixers maybe halfway down the road here in terms of the regular season and what the Sixers are looking for if you had to guess what's the most likely trade that they'll make i
0: i i think it's going to be the Siakam thing that's my guess um i'm really hoping that's wrong because i think i would prefer them to get But <laughs> this is a complete Guess there's absolutely no way to know that he could just re-sign in Toronto. Uh just that so they've started badly. And like in theory they should be able to get him for not that much because he's an expiring contract this year, because Masai Ujiri is washed and hasn't made a good move since the Kawhi Leonard uh yeah. trade. The the Siakam would be like a pretty good piece. I don't love like it's a little bit clunky next to um Embiid. I think I'd prefer them to get Levine just because. A backcourt of Maxi and Levine, I think defensively, will struggle to contain the Jays. Levine's a better defender than I think people think, um, but he's still too small to kind of handle the the Jays, um, and that they would just have just no passing on the team. Like they like there's so, so little passing. Siakam's like a pretty good playmaker for for his position, so I think it's going to be Siakam. But that's also because I think it's going to be that would be the worst option. So I'm just going to predict that. And then if that doesn't happen, everything else is better.
1: Yeah. And the Raptors are definitely up there with, like, teams who it's just like, what are you doing? What right are you now? doing? Like, you you have to pick a path. And if some team's going to dangle a shitload of very valuable draft assets at them, they're going to be one of the first to blink and, and make a move. And Siakam is a very movable <laughs> player and, and piece of salary there. So, that will suck. If it's Levine, like, good luck navigating the stock exchange in, <laughs> in Derek White and Drew Holiday matchup-wise that makes so much more sense for, for the Celtics as opposed to Siakam, who's just like a big body that makes life more difficult for our, our top scorers as well and who could potentially like switch onto Pozingis, for example. So, yeah, hopefully- You go, you go. You- well, just, you know, nothing really. Just hopefully the Sixers continue to fumble the bag, <laughs> figuratively speaking, and just shit the bed and and make the worst play out of these assets that they possibly can. And that wouldn't surprise <laughs> me because historically- That's what they do.
0: (laughs) And (laughs) look, they still have Joel Embiid as they're like, he decides the fate of them in the playoffs. They probably, look, ironically, they probably still end up a four seed or a three seed and losing to the Celtics in the second round again. Like that honestly is like- Probably one of the more likely scenarios because the Eastern Conference after the Celtics and in theory the Bucs, is like not that good. The Sixers have looked really good to start. Anyway, they, Embiid's are great in the regular season. Maxi's been good. They've got the depth now. Till they make a trade, anyway, they're going to be a top four seed. I'd be ch- shocked if they're not a top four seed. The Celtics are going to be a one or a two seed. Just lines up again for the Sixers in the second round, which is just a matchup that we're obviously
1: comfortable with. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, this just this kind of drama and the the time that it happened, you know, I say late in the afternoon Aussie time. You just like yeah, great all for the us. news is dead. Yeah, so so fun just to like sit there and, and track all of that. And um, we'll be tracking the drama uh, in detail on this podcast, especially as it pertains to the Sixes. Uh, we are going to move on and talk about the, the Pacers game in a second, but just quickly, if you're watching this stream on the CLNS channels. Please head over to the First of the Floor YouTube channel. Subscribe. If you like a couple of Aussies talking about the Celtics, obviously, it's going to be a good place for you. We're not Aussie dominated here. Wayne Spoony is our is our designated American. We've yes. got New Zealanders on the show. We're an international team here. You know, building YouTube channels is difficult. So, if you're watching elsewhere, head over YouTube.com slash at First of the Floor. Subscribe. Uh, we'd love to have you over there. The Pacers game, Jake. Bobby Manning had this tweet. Yesterday, uh, or earlier today, rather, that the Celtics could be facing a shorthanded Pacers team tomorrow. Mm. Tyrese Halliburton is questionable with an ankle injury, as are Benedict Mathurin with an elbow injury and Jalen Smith with a knee injury. Wonder if we'd see Daniel Tys in Smith's absence, mm. who hasn't played in Boston since the 2022 East Finals. Um, how are you feeling, just broadly speaking, going into this Pacers matchup?
0: Yeah, I hopefully Tyrese Halliburton's out because he... Is a Celtics killer through and through. I can't imagine he misses the chance to shoot over a hundred percent from three against the Celtics. For some reason, he has a vendetta against us. Like go back and you know, like you look at the box score from yes uh, yesterday with the paces. Yeah, I think he was like one for eight from three. I would fully expect him to just absolutely go off against us again tomorrow. So fingers crossed he's out. I would almost bet that he plays because he loves playing against Boston sure. for some reason. Uh, Matherin sounds like he'll be out for sure because he's seeing it like a specialist for his elbow. Uh, but the Matherin and Jalen Smith injuries, like that, doesn't make the paces shorthanded to me. That, like they're they're actually relatively deep uh, and they can replace Matherin pretty easily. Um, when we had Caitlin Cooper on talking about that position. Specifically, like the, the 2 guy, they got a bunch of them. Uh, just fingers crossed that Halliburton takes
1: a night off just because I I prefer to have a, a nice, easy win. Hopefully Aaron Neesmith takes it easy on our guy, Wayne Spoony <laughs> as well, who likely be watching this game clutching a bottle of something just trying yeah. to deal with the emotions. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, shout out to to our guy, Wayne Spoony there. Um Per Cleaning the Glass, again, the Indiana Pacers, they've got the sixth best point differential 13th best defense. They're third in the East as of yeah. right now. They're nothing to shake a stick at. They're a good nah. team. They're well coached. Um, they've won on the road already. Uh, but, you know, this will be the Celtics' second home game only so far this season. And I'm looking forward to to seeing more action in the TD Garden there. Gorman back on the call. And, you know, hmm. obviously, we, we talked about the line earlier on FanDuel. 11 and a half. Like, the Celtics are heavily favored in this game. We talked about the identity and how they're not playing down to subpar teams, despite the Pacers being third in the East. You know, this should be—I don't want to say an easy win because they're going to need to get up for it. But like the Celtics should should handle this, I think. All in all,
0: oh yeah, there's a reason that the Pacers are plus four sixty to actually win the game. Look, it's still early in the season. They should have. Very, very bad memories of what the Pacers did to them last season. So they should not be taking this team lightly at all. I think Halliburton has that reputation around the league at this point where he is that good where you have to really respect what he's able to do. Like he is just he's and also he's just one of my favorite players to watch. So from that perspective, I kind of hope that he plays. But um but yeah, just just go out and win the game by a lot. Again, like just do that.
1: Yeah, and look, we're not going to be firing up the playback room for for this game, but we will be uh, in the very near future. So head over to playback.tv slash first to the floor. Subscribe to our room there. It's free. You just log in with your league pass, your cable subscription, and you can join us for for live watch parties to watch Celtics games there, uh, which, like I said, we're going to be doing uh, time and time again throughout the regular season. Now, to, to wrap up here, Jake, and this is a segment that I have not prepared <laughs> particularly well at all. Um, I've called this the culture cup between mm. Grant Williams and Marcus Smart, who uh, I do believe I have a photo here somewhere as I fiddle around for the right yes. button. Uh, here we go. Grant and Marcus, <laughs> they, they matched up for the first time on different teams uh, yesterday. Grant uh, did come away uh, with the victory, I guess. I, I don't know why I put this on the right sheet, Jake. I just wanted <laughs> to see how you feel about like seeing really the, the two cultural figureheads for the team Last year, the two loudest voices on the team. Last mm. year, um, how did you feel seeing them go head to head? And I guess I wanted to talk about like Marcus Smart's kind of losing and lacklustre start to the to the season thus far.
0: I love seeing them smile. I loved reading the story of Grant going over to Marcus Smart's house for dinner, um, and having pasta. And Grant saying that the only person that he thinks talks more than Grant might be Marcus Smart. Grant's been off to a seriously hot start here from um, shooting the ball. So I know that the Mavs haven't had the most difficult schedule in the world yet, considering the Grizzlies are 0-4, the Nets aren't very good, and um, the Spurs I don't think are very good either. That being said, he's been knocking down his open threes. He played really good defense on Wemby. Um, I'm happy that he's that he's playing well. What, what makes... I mean, Marcus Smart's killing it. Like, on court, he's been amazing for the Grizzlies. Like, Grizzlies Twitter, like he's been their best player. They're, they are in love with, with Marcus. The problem is the team's bad, and I thought they would still be good. I thought that with Marcus, Bain has not been able to hit shots, and that's been a real a real issue for them. The Stephen Adams injury is a disaster. Um, the fact that Marcus is 0-4 right now while the Celtics are, like, we're like living in paradise. Like Pussing has literally said that we're that he's in like defensive paradise. And people are asking Derek White about what's it like to play next to a defender like Drew Holiday? And I'm like, I still I stand by that like Marcus Smart in the Drew Holiday spot, and you're keeping and by also having Rob Williams, like this team is probably as good as they are right now. Like Drew Holiday's been fantastic, obviously. But I just think people are forgetting like how good Mark, like Marcus Smart, had the incredible play yesterday against Luka Doncic, where he 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 gets a deflection while backing down Luka, and no one can stop Luka while he's backing down. Like he's like the he's so good at getting a bucket in those spots, and Marcus gets a deflection, dies on the ground, and he's like using his arm wrapped around Luka while on his chest holding the ball against Luka to force a jump ball. Like the most quintessential Cobra Strike Marcus Smart stuff. He's still doing all that stuff. He's still doing all the Marcus Smart winning plays. It's just, I, it's just unfair for him to have like really been a huge part of building this team and building this winning culture for the past eight, nine years to now be on this team that's 0-4 and like potentially teetering towards like a lost season while we're living in an oasis is, uh, is sad to me.
1: Yeah, and yet, despite all of that, with how good we have looked on the court through three games so far, can you tell, tell me honestly, like, how many times have you thought about Marcus Smart or Grant Williams while watching Celtics games this year? Because I'll tell you, uh, I've thought about them zero times.
0: Grant Williams is zero. I, I've thought about Marcus. i I've thought about Marcus. <laughs> but that's because I'm like-
1: A man I, of culture. I,
0: I I'm the, I'm the I guess I I've, I've been the guy that's like I think Marcus I don't think the gap's that big between Drew and Marcus but I think something that I think I'm starting to definitely buy into more and more as the season goes along is the culture piece and the leadership piece about just needing to create a different different feel, different vibe, different voices at the top of the food chain going back to the analogy at the top of the podcast with the with move the moving out from living with your your college buddies and moving in with your your wife, maybe like I you know it doesn't mean I don't love, like I the the house that I lived in from 2016 to 2018 with like three of my best friends are like the some of like the best years of my life and I'm always gonna hold on to those. But like you know, so I needed to level up as a human, level up as an adult, and um, we're all better for it. So maybe that's yeah. just how it has to be.
1: I, I had the exact same experience living <laughs> in share houses. Like best years of your life, like maybe you make the finals, but you ain't winning shit. Like in that version of yourself, you know, you, you've got to, yeah. for the betterment of yourself and y- your life prospects, you've got to, you've got to move in with, you know, your, your better yeah. half. Essentially, um, Jay, uh, Joe, our New Zealand correspondent, yeah. a huge part of the Not show, heavy. is. Uh, very angry in the chat here, understandably. So huge, Marcus Smart stand. Well, look, if you're wondering the sort of the outcome of the of the Marcus Smart Grant Williams situation, Drew Hill, who is a Grizzlies beat reporter, had this tweet for any Celtics fans out there: Grant Williams went to Marcus Smart's house for dinner last night. Smart said they had pasta. They've remained close friends despite the changes of scenery, and Grant Williams said he might be the only person who talks more than uh, Marcus Smart does. So just wholesome, just good yeah. to see. And like a, a nice little taste of it, while we enjoy like the the, the main course here, which is the Celtics dominating with their the new look team. Hundred percent, yeah.
0: Like I want nothing but the best for all the guys um, that played for the Celtics. Obviously, uh, Ime Doka is really the only one I like. Act, I'm like rooting against. So, uh, and so far that's going well for for me. <laughs>
1: Yeah, man, Rockets at Celtics, the first or only iteration of that we get this regular season. It's going to be very, very interesting. Look, we are going to wrap up here. Just quickly, tomorrow after the Pacers game, we've got the first installment of Celtics Late Night on the CLNS channels, on the First of the Floor channel here, where after the Garden Report, we, we continue the vibes, we continue the show. You move straight over to the Celtics Late Night studio. We've got Luke Cornett coming out, introducing <laughs> the show, doing his monologue, uh, introducing the fellas here. And, you know, we're uniquely positioned to do this because what's late night but for you guys in the Boston area, it's early afternoon here for us in Australia. So we're going to keep it rolling after the garden report there. So uh, make sure you subscribe to CLNS uh, or First of the Floor or both uh, for that. We're looking forward to that. That's going to do it for this one. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back again. Thursday night with Eric Weiss from Sports Aptitude and Lucio Sports uh, one of the most intelligent Celtics fans I've ever known or met so looking forward to having Eric Weiss. Jake love your work mate. Until next time Go Celtics!